raise a couple more to the revolution. We have only three words for you. Uh-oh. We're taking over! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the season two premiere of the Q Zero Theater Cast. This is your host, Artistic Director Dan Pelletier, and I am incredibly excited to be back recording podcasts again. I know we've been on a little bit of a hiatus while we've been reflecting on season one, uh, both of the podcast and of the theater group as a whole. One of our main goals and priorities is to always be improving and experimenting and pushing ourselves. So we need a little time at the end of the season to refocus and reformat our approach. Looking forward to this new season where we'll be still trying to find our voice. I'm not sure we 100% found it when we were recording the first you know, 15 or so episodes. I still think that there's things we can play with, things that worked, things that didn't work. Definitely won't be doing another uh, two-hour episode of poorly researched content. Um, we'll be experimenting with things. And, you know, feel free to send us feedback as we're doing this. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you didn't like. Let us know uh, what made you laugh, what made you think, when did you turn off the podcast because you just couldn't stand it anymore because it wasn't great. Um all feedback is appreciated because here at Q Zero, there's nothing we appreciate more than honesty, as well as growing and becoming better artists and entertainers. So I wanted to start off our season two of the podcast, kind of make this a little bit of like a season two primer. I know technically we've already had a couple of season two projects go, but uh, we're about to get into the thick of things and hopefully get you excited too for season two uh, here at Q Zero. So season two is actually already underway. We've already had uh, two side projects go up. So we had uh, Shaken Spear, A Midsummer Night's Dream, where we kind of took our Gorilla Shakespeare concept and we're like, this isn't challenging enough. We need something a little bit more ridiculous, a little bit more difficult. Um, And we wanted to partner with our friends at Jupiter Hall and create some content. So we had Shaken Spear, where you know, we took our regular Gorilla Shakespeare where we're doing a staged reading of the Bard's work in an unconventional location, and we turned it on its head by pulling the essentially pulling the rolls out of a hat every night, and we had no preparation, and you just were assigned your character and your script and your props at uh, you know, five minutes before the show is going to begin, and People loved it. it. Like we had so much. Uh, I've never had this much fun performing. Audiences were, you know, literally having to hold themselves on their seats. We had some great audience interaction every night. It was a different show, um, and I know we've inspired uh, some other groups just over the border into mass to be doing similar projects. So I'm hoping it's something we can again f- fine tune and refine and continue to bring that again. I'd like to thank Jupiter Hall for hosting that. Uh, we greatly appreciate all of your. Support and look forward to continuing our partnership in 2020. Then we also had Gorilla Shakespeare 5, which I know you're like, wait, how'd they do Gorilla Shakespeare 5? But there wasn't a 4. Well, we had a 4. And then, unfortunately, the week that uh, Gorilla Shakespeare 4, which was going to be a comedy of errors, was supposed to go up at the bookery, uh, we had just... 
too many actors by uh, getting bitten by the flu bug. We were just all sick as dogs and just were not going to be able to perform um, the show. So unfortunately, four is going to be moved on. But we're you know we'd already advertised it as four, and then we advertised Gorilla Shakespeare Five Macbeth at the Shaskine for Halloween. So we just kept the numbering. So we'll do some sort of like Star Wars retroactive prequel thing where we'll do comedy of errors coming up. But you know we did Macbeth at the Shaskine as we kept saying the Scottish play at an Irish pub um, and people seem to really enjoy that we got a lot of good laughs um, we got to be a little goofier with it we had a slightly smaller cast with that one we were able to do it with only five actors and a stuffed animal playing all of the small children we had a lot of uh, bizarre costumes and sword fighting and um, you know, the, the audiences, uh, you know, especially the people that didn't know we'd be performing that night, didn't know what to expect. And they were just like, wow, that was fascinating. So we look forward to the evolution of Gorilla Shakespeare. But, uh, you know, people that came that are like, you know, I, I don't really understand Shakespeare all the time, but we made it accessible and fun and easy to digest. Uh, again, thanks to the Shaskine for hosting us there. We look forward to coming back sometime in the spring. I know the uh, owner there, Neil, uh, just loves coming to the Gorilla Shakespeare, and he you know, kept asking, like, when are you guys going to do another one? Not, not even here. I just want to come to all of them. So got to make sure we uh, you know, keep Neil happy and find another Shakespeare to be performing. So don't worry. We will be back with Gorilla Shakespeare 4, 6, and seven at some point this year. We are actually this week, um, I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, it might have already passed, but if not, who knows? Um, we'll be hosting training for the New Hampshire Theater Awards, uh, which we're very excited to. I know they're making some big changes to the way the adjudication process works, and looking forward to you know, getting to see all that. They're going to move it to online, so it's a lot simpler. Um, and we'll be, uh, you know, looking forward to the theater awards that are coming up at the end of January. I believe nominations will be out by the end of the month. All three of our productions, actually, this year were up for adjudication. Normally, you only get two, but because New Space was a new work and a world premiere, they allow us to have a third piece. Um, we're actually currently also just trying to figure out which of our season two productions are going to be the adjudicated ones. Uh, we're definitely locked in on Heather's. Uh, and originally we were going to go with Hamlet, but we put up a social media poll and it seemed, you know, it was neck to neck. But uh, right now, Ernest uh, is leading the poll by a slim margin. So maybe we'll do, you know, the importance of being Ernest as one of our theater award pieces. At the end of this month, they're going to announce the top 10 for all of the different community theater sections, which is what we qualify under. And then there'll be a big award ceremony at the Capitol Center where everybody will get all dressed up and they'll uh, first announce the, the top three uh, for each category. And then they bring up the winner and you get a trophy and you get to give a little 30 second speech. We'll probably do a specific episode on awards when we get closer to that so we can all talk about those things. Because, you know, like me personally, I have some very, I know, shocking. I have some very strong opinions about awards in the performing arts. And, uh, you know, I'm not always the biggest fan of sitting through a four-hour award show. So maybe we can discuss our thoughts on how these things could be made less painful. But that's just me. I know there are people out there that love watching award shows and they make their Tony ballots or their Academy Award things and they host parties and all the more power to you if that's what you're into. It's just not for me. Opening our main stage season is Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest. Now, we've already had auditions for this piece. We've already assembled a super talented cast of some of the 
brightest performers that Southern New Hampshire has to offer. And the best part is the majority of them are new to Q0. So we could not be ex more excited to be bringing more people into the Q0 family, furthering our mission of always working with people that we haven't worked with before. Um, we're going to be hopefully, you know, I'm still finalizing some design choices. Um, we're actually going to be looking to build some Periac toy, which for those of you not in the know, you'll get to find out as we do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but it's going to be an, a new type of set for Q0. Um, we're still finalizing some design choices and it's looking like we're going to be setting the piece modern. Um, you know, it was originally premiered in the 1890s and that's when it's been set, but I think we can get a lot more, um, out of the social satire and uh, pl uh, social commentary to the piece by bringing it a little bit closer to home. So um, if you're looking for a laugh, which we know, again, you didn't get a lot of laughs with the main stage season in season one, so we tried to make it a priority that we were going to find some comedy. That's going up February 28th through March 1st at our home, Kriva Academy, who we are very thankful to be partnering with again in Season 2, and they're actually going to be a big sponsor, and uh, we'll be talking a lot more about um, you know the, the charter school there. Um, tickets are on sale now through our website. Do not wait to get those. And then rolling out of earnest, we roll right into one of the most, if not the most famous play in all of Western theater, William Shakespeare's Hamlet. I know it's. Uh, this is going to be to me the biggest directorial challenge of my career. Um, you know, for the first time this past fall, I directed a full-length Shakespeare with Julius Caesar with my high schoolers, but Hamlet is a whole other beast. It is, you know, one of the longest Shakespeare plays. Everybody knows it. There's just so much to it. It's a very meaty piece, but we are looking to bring you a gritty, violent, dark, but powerful look at Hamlet. Um, and we are, you know, we were searching for what can be our unique spin on this. I mean, like everybody does Hamlet and nobody wants to see Hamlet set in Denmark again. And so, the world we are looking to create is what we've dubbed post-rapture. You know, Hamlet has a lot of religious iconography in it and debates about morality and God, and we just felt that we could really bring out all of that even deeper if all of these characters were left behind and forgotten by God and deemed unworthy of the kingdom of heaven. So we are looking forward to uh, doing a lot of dramaturgy, which is, you know, the research into the play as well as, you know, the research into the book of Revelation and what you know, different cultures have in mind for this very, um, you know, the, the however you want to define the apocalypse, the, the end of the world, Ragnarok. Um, I cannot wait. We're going to be doing a lot with stage combat. Um, this is going to be our return to the Derry Opera House, which is where Q0 had its first show. We like to kind of consider it our birthplace. And that'll go up June 6th through the 14th. Um, you know, this one's going to be, again, Ernest is going to make you laugh. This show's going to, it's going to move you on a much more visceral level. And, uh, you know, can't wait to start to work on that. Um, once we get, 
once we get into rehearsals for Ernest at the top of January, I'm going to be really on my free time diving into my background research for Hamlet, which, you know, um, I try not to geek out too much, but sometimes I do enjoy the background research almost as much as I enjoy directing the piece itself um, because I'm a dork. But, you know, that's what it is. Then, now, this isn't technically part of our main stage season. It's technically a side project, but because of the magnitude of it, we're, we've been kind of hyping it up just as much as a main stage. And that is, we are going to be breaking the world record for the longest continuous theatrical marathon. Now, what does that mean? That means that for 80 straight hours, we will have a performance on the stage of the Derry Opera House without stopping. Um, and like that in and of itself sounds like it's going to be an incredible challenge. You know, we're going to be starting at noon on a Thursday and going till 8 p.m. on a Sunday, and there will be something being performed. We officially submitted this and got it approved by the Guinness World Book of Records, which is great. And then they sent us the guidelines for it, and holy crap, did they make this even more challenging. So we are only allowed 20 actors from the beginning of the uh, of the project through the end of the project, we can only have 20 different people on stage. They don't all have to be on the sa- stage at the same time. We can rotate people in and out, but we are only allowed 20 actors. We also must always have 20 people that are not performers in the audience. And every four hours, we have to have a fresh set of 20 people. So there's more uh, incredible challenges to that uh, that we'll be going into as we get closer to that. But we wanted to do something big that would bring attention to, you know, Q0, bring attention to New Hampshire. um, And we think that this is going to be a great thing. Now, we're hoping that we can get a number of sponsors for the event. We actually are currently right now raising funds by auctioning, or not auctioning, selling the ability to be the sponsor of the hour for one of those 80 hours. You can go on to our our sponsorship page through Fractured Atlas right now, and you can become the sponsor of an hour by making a tax-deductible donation. And if we can cover all of our expenses up front, um, you know, we're not charging admission to this. We're, it's admission by donation. You can come and go as you please, watch as much as you want. Um, but we are hoping to donate all of the proceeds to local performing arts scholarship funds. Um, and the first one that we've singled out is the Dustin Blake Memorial Scholarship Fund. Uh, Dustin was a student at Central High School, uh, where I run the drama club. And um, a few years back, he unfortunately passed away due to an undiagnosed heart condition. Uh, just as he was going into his junior year, he was the president of the drama club. But not only that, he was the heart and soul of the drama club. He was everything a drama teacher could want in a student. You know, he came in, um, you know, having no experience, but really wanting to try out. And he was nervous and he allowed, you know, allowed me to push him to take risks. And there was never a person that he could fail to make laugh. Um, and, you know, it was very heartbreaking to when he passed but the drama club was able to rally around it and um you know they've created this scholarship in his memory and it would mean the world to me if we can make a large donation to it um so that'll go up as i said 80 straight hours august 6th through the 9th i know a lot of people want to know how they can be involved because we're going to need an army to make this happen uh 
You're not only going to need 20 actors, but we're going to need people working backstage. We're going to need people working front of house. We're going to need people, you know, feeding the actors and making sure they're there. We're going to need people uh, getting audience members in there. We might even need, you know, standby audience members. Um, we're going to need people making sure that, you know, we've got like security, um, all those fun things. So we've got auditions that'll be for that uh, towards. I believe those are in May in the spring, and then we'll also be signing people up to be involved in other ways. So August 6th through the 9th, as I said, first show will start at noon on Thursday, August 6th, and then we will be performing around the clock, um, and we must, we can only take no more than five minutes between plays and two minutes between scenes, and we will be performing for 80 straight hours, hoping to wrap up at 8 o'clock on August 9th. Um, very excited for that. And then we close out the main stage season with one more piece of theater, another play that I've been dying to direct for four years now since I read the play, and that is Heather's the Musical, um, based on the movie of the same name from the 80s with uh, Winona Ryder and uh, Christian Slater. It is an incredibly Dark, uh, dark comedy about the trials and tribulation of high school, specifically a girl named Veronica dealing with the popular girls who just happen to be a clique of three all named Heather um, and her boyfriend, J.D., who deals with them in not-so-nice ways. Don't want to spoil too much, but there's a lot of murder. Um, it's got powerful music, a powerful message, and it creates some powerful theater. Um, this is going to be the one that kind of melds the, you know, we've got comedy from Ernest, and we've got dark crap from Hamlet. Well, Heather's is going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you feel. This is just going to be an everything musical. It's got a lot of rock. I know that this is one of those shows that every actor um, from you know, teenager to their 30s wants to be in Heather's The Musical. Um, it was one of the biggest and most successful off-Broadway shows of the of the decade. Um, and it was one of those plays that, like, everybody was hyping it up. Everyone was telling me, like, you got to read Heather's. You got to listen to Heather's. You got to see Heather's. And I'm going to be honest, 90% of the time when somebody is really hyping something up to me, when I go read it or watch it or see it, my reaction is, that's it? Like, it was just, you know, you, you, you overbuilt it in my mind and it didn't live up to it. Heather's lived up to it. You know, I read the script and I'm like, oh, this is, mm, yes, comedy. Oh, dark stuff. Oh, mental health and suicide and murder and deep characters. But also things not taking themselves so seriously that we can't laugh and rock music. Um, so... I just, you know, just in time for Halloween, it's going to be an incredible time, October 23rd through the 25th, Heather's the Musical, you are not going to want to miss this one, um, I'm hoping that we can pack the Dairy Opera House, you know, it seats about 300 people, I want to sell 900 tickets, damn it, so, be there. Hello, Q0 fans. Q0 business advisor and performer Jake Ranlett here, interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast to talk about Q0 sponsorship and membership. As I'm sure you know, theater is really expensive, and we cannot survive on ticket sales alone, which is why we have these two awesome programs that not only allow Q0 to continue to revolutionize the performing arts scene in New Hampshire, 
but has incredible benefits for you as well. Sponsors get their name and logo in our playbill, on our posters, mentioned in our podcasts, listed on our press releases, and so much more. We go out of our way to make sure everyone knows about you and thanks you for helping make Q0 possible. Businesses large and small, as well as individuals, are invited to become sponsors by making tax-deductible donations through our website. We also have our membership program for individuals who want a little bit more bang for their buck and a lot more Q0 in their lives. We have 10 different levels of membership, starting as low as $2 a month. Every level of membership comes with awesome perks, such as early access to the Q0 Theater cast, discounts on tickets and merchandise, exclusive behind-the-scenes video content, the ability to read our New Works blog, and so much more. The more you give, the more you get. If you want to be a vital part of the Q0 revolution, head on over to cztheater.com and click the Support CZT link to become a sponsor or a member today. And now, back to the podcast. Um, and that's our main stage season. Um, as I said, we've got this giant world record as our biggest side project, but it, you know, it just felt wrong to make that our only side project. So on top of that, you know, and on top of hopefully bringing back Gorilla Shakespeare um, in its regular fashion, things, other things that we've got coming down the pipeline, we're going to be working on our first ever audio drama, which will be an extension of the Q Zero Theater cast. Um, now, I'm sure you're like, what's an audio drama? You know, it's like a radio play, but you release it in episodes via podcast so you can listen to it whenever. Now, this is coming out of our monthly playwright circle, um, and the piece is called Wolf Whistle. It's um, kind of set as an old-timey radio station, um, and it's got a lot of heavy social commentary, and we're really looking forward to developing this piece. This is going to be our new work for the year. Um you know, it originally was written to be a stage play, and I sat down, and we read it, and we were working, and as I said, it takes place in, like, a radio station. It's all these radio shows, and I'm just like, you know, there's not a lot of stage action here. Why don't we actually just do this as an audio drama? Like, do it as a piece of radio. Um, it would allow us to, you know, record when we can record and explore a new medium. Um, so we're really excited for that. Um, we've actually got the playwright circle for meeting for December coming up where we're going to be diving into the new script. Um, if you've, uh, you know, if you're a member and you have access to the new works blog, you've noticed we've been publishing for the past, I think two months, two, three months, uh, scenes from the rough draft of Wolf Whistle. Well, it's already been rewritten and it's been turned from one, you know, two hour play into 10 to 12 episodes so we're really looking forward to that um again that'll start dropping um as soon as we get it developed and get it cast so be on the lookout for that as our side project um and then our other thing is as i said you know we've got our gorilla shakespeare we're hoping to do some more shaken spear um but you know i uh, can't officially announce anything but i will say that we are exploring doing something bigger better and wilder with a Shakespeare uh, project for the summer. 
probably sometime in July since the marathon's going to be taking up August. Um, all I can say is if you enjoy Shakespeare in the park, but you're looking for a very different kind of park, we might have a project for you. That's all I can say right now because nothing has been made official. I hope I don't have to walk back these words, but I've got a wild idea that I want to spring on Manchester and we're going to be doing some crazy Shakespeare. That's all I'm going to say. So, as I said at the beginning of the episode, you know, we've been exploring, trying to do some new formatting and new content. And one thing, you know, we've been doing a lot more of is trying to have conversations on social media. Um, and I kind of want to integrate that into the show a little bit where we can, you know, put out some thought-provoking topics of discussion to the theater world, both our audiences and our fellow artists, and then bring it back to the podcast and kind of, you know, continue the discussion. So um, earlier this week, we shared a post that asked, simply asked fellow performers, designers, and backstage theater workers, what would you say is the biggest... What would you say is the biggest misconception people have about what you do? Um, and we shared it with a little meme of visual confusion uh, from Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, from the Star Wars prequels. Um, and we had, you know, a number of great responses. Some were comedic, some were, um, you know, a little bit more serious. So I just kind of wanted to recap a couple of them and, you know, maybe discuss them. And then if you... Um, you know, have something you want to add to the conversation there, feel free to, you know, leave us a message on social media to be like, you know, this is where I struggle when I'm trying to get people. I mean, it came for me just from, you know, after, you know, being doing this for the past six years professionally, um, I still feel like my relatives don't uh, quite understand what exactly a director does in rehearsal. And I just, I try to tell them, you know, it's kind of like being the head coach of the football team. Um, and then they kind of get it a little bit more that way. Um, so some of our responses, uh, Beth Schwartz, who was our stage manager for Next to Normal. Thanks, Beth, for your uh, feedback. She wrote, I had a fellow board member say that they had someone who volunteered and maybe they could, quote, just be the stage manager. Um, you know, that one, again, Beth is a stage manager. She's a very good stage manager. Uh, you know, sometimes even in the theater community of some people that don't understand the difficulty of some of the jobs to me, stage manager is one of the most challenging things. Uh, I guess the best way to equate what a stage manager does is if the director is the pilot of the ship, oh no, if the... <clears throat> The best way to describe what a stage manager does is if the director is the captain of the ship, the stage manager is the pilot. They are got to keep everybody organized. They are the liaison and communication hub. Um, most of the time, they're the one actually running the show when it's in production, you know, telling all the set changes and uh, board operators when to happen and all of those things. So it's an incredibly challenging job that requires a very specific type of person that is very organized and dedicated. Um, and it's not one that you just kind of toss a random volunteer uh, into. Brian Kelly, who uh, is one of the bigwigs over at the Seacoast Repertory Theater. Um, but before I read Brian's response, I just wanted to compliment them on their production of Assassins, which was just phenomenal. Uh, everybody knows that I am a huge Sondheim mark um, and just really enjoyed uh, getting to see that on opening night. Brian writes, nobody knows how much anything costs. And I could not agree 
more that people underestimate just how expensive it is to put on a production, um, whether you're doing a bare bones piece or you're doing, um, you know, something big and extravagant. Like I, um, you know, uh, as some of you may know, I used to work for uh, the Palace Theater and I know that, you know, on average, their productions cost them $50,000 per production when that's, you know, between building, you know, their set pieces and um, costumes, paying the actors, housing the actors, um, paying the crew, you know, paint, all those crazy type of things. And then even for and then even for like us uh, on this much, much smaller scale uh, where people aren't getting paid and, th- you know, we're cutting corners wherever we can, but still trying to deliver quality work. We still have budgets that break, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars. Um, you know, a bigger musical from like a group like the actor singers could probably cost in a you know twenty thousand dollar range or even more. Um, I remember when I was, you know, finalizing the paperwork from next to normal and I had the rights uh invoice left on the kitchen table and my dad picked up picked it up and he's like you paid how much to do this show I'm like yeah that's how much a musical costs it costs a lot of money just to get the rights to do these shows so I definitely think that you know there's a misunderstanding of and people are always like well why can't you you know pay this person more like why can't you make a line you know we wish we could we wish we could find all of this money um you know it's why we beg and plead and go out of our way to talk about membership and donations and coming up with side hustles and selling merchandise and uh sponsors and all those things like that because you know as much as we wish it were true, you know, ticket sales alone will never keep a theater going um, unless you want to pay a giant premium on those tickets. Um, but, you know, most groups in the area, like ourselves, we want to keep ticket costs low um, so we can get as many people in the door. So, um, you know, however you can support local theater and join the revolution, um, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, Kristen. Amrine, hope I pronounced that correctly, um, wrote that acting is easy. Definitely agree there. Uh, a lot of people, you know, think acting is just something you can do because, you know, it's not like playing an instrument where they can see the instrument and people have, you know, sat down and tried to play the piano and struggled and been terrible at it and they can go like, oh, I see the work there. Um, they just think, you know, it's either easy or it's something you bo- you're born with. Um, you know, no, there's a, there's a big challenge there. Like, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And I know like everyone tries to do it, but not everyone's good at it. Um, and sometimes we need to tell people that they're not good at it because no one will. And then they go up there and they try to act. Um, but anyways, you know, acting is an incredible challenge. It's it involves being vulnerable and trying to connect on deeper levels with other people and putting yourself out there and all these things that we go out of our way to not do in everyday life, you need to do to be a successful actor. Um, and it's not just about, ah, you're so talented or you're so skilled. I, you know, it's, it's work. Um, it's incredibly challenging and, um, you know, I will always be thankful for the actors that I get to work with. Um, you know, so those are just some of the responses we got. So why don't you tell me, guys, um, if you're listening to this and you're in the business, whether as a professional or a hobbyist, um, what do you find to be the biggest misconceptions your relatives or your friends that don't know the ins and outs of theater have about just about what you do? Send us some feedback and maybe we can share more of those on the next episode. Um, 
So that's really all I've got. Um, again, thank you all to all of our members and supporters, especially our thank you all again to all of our supporters and sponsors, especially our benefactor members. Uh, Lori Pelletier, Alex Bezos, Basie, Bezos. I got to figure, got to, Alex, next time we're uh, hanging out, let me know how to pronounce your uh, last name. Um, but again, any level of support is incredibly thankful. Um, you know, Hope everybody has a wondrous holiday season, whether you're having a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a joyous Kwanzaa, a fantastic Festivus, um, a great New Year. Stay safe out there. Um, and one more time, this is artistic director Dan Pelletier. And as we always say here at on the Q Zero Theater cast, support local theater and join the revolution. <laughs>